0: As we continue worshiping together today uh, you may turn to your favorite bible app or pew bible and receive this reading from the book of exodus beginning in chapter 12 verse 1. the lord said to moses and aaron in the land of egypt this month shall mark for you the beginning of months it shall be the first month of the year for you tell the whole congregation of israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I shall pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations you shall observe it, as a perpetual ordinance. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. We're
1: still in our series of uh, family matters where we are moving through the texts of the Hebrew scriptures from the lectionary. We've been with Joseph, we've been with Moses some, uh, both in the coming out of the river and at the burning bush. And some other stuff has happened that's important between that story from last week and what we received this morning, which I'll get to in a little bit. But before we do that, let's pray. Gracious God, fill us with your spirit. Open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us today and all the ways that you are moving in this place. Let your word, your message, and your grace land firmly upon us and within our hearts that we might be changed, empowered, and renewed to be your people in this place and all the places we go in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was growing up, it was my job to set the table. All of my siblings, we all had our chores and my, one of my chores was to set the table. I was taught early that the plate, of course, goes in the center, and the fork goes on the which side? The left, mmm, left. Someone said right, it's the left. The knife goes next to the plate, with the knife edge facing the plate, and the spoon goes next to that. On top of the spoon, no, not on top, but at the top of the knife and the spoon are the glasses, the beverage wear, right? Um, am I doing this right, Jasper? You know this, right? <laughs> Jasper Jasper knows knows hospitality. Um, uh, So this was my job. I knew what the condiments were that needed to go on the table. I knew what glass my dad liked to use for his iced tea. I mean, I had it down. It was part of the ritual every night for family supper. We all had our favorite places, our our places that were sort of assigned, like pews, um, where you just always sit. Um, And so we got into our places, and we settled in for prayer. And my mother always started the prayer with, Precious Jesus. We thank thee for this food." Now, that is a little glimpse into the Gaines Family Supper ritual. And also, when I was growing up, there was a ritual around communion. I was one of these churches out in Oklahoma where we did not celebrate communion every, certainly not every week, not even every month, but we did it, I think, maybe quarterly, if we got lucky like old holdover from the circuit rider days or something. But anyway, it was a big deal, when we had communion, and we would line up, and we would sing our hymns as we anxiously awaited the usher, giving us permission to go and fill what was a big, round altar rail. And the altar was kind of centered, like that. And we would all go, and we would kneel, and then the people would come by with a little plate with very, very dry, small, bland wafers. And then they would bring the tray with the little glasses, And we would sit and we would consume this beautiful gift. And then once we were done, we would put our little tiny communion cup and the little communion cup-sized thing in the altar rail. And then if we didn't want to hold up the line much, we could sit and pray for a minute. That was our family ritual for our family supper at my home church. Perhaps you have some memories, if you grew up in church, of your own family supper ritual around the table or at home, whatever home was like for you. Maybe there were certain rituals around the table. In seminary, I took a biblical storytelling class that taught me, among other things, that human beings are storytelling creatures. We tell stories to make meaning. We tell stories to understand our identity. We tell stories to mark time. And we're also ritual makers. We all have, I imagine, we could all tell somebody at least one daily personal ritual that we do. You might not think of it as a ritual, but don't get in between me and my morning tea ritual, okay? Just don't do it. It's ugly. Uh, You know, we have those personal things we do every day, and then there are the communal rituals that we participate in, everywhere from stadiums to workplaces to our faith communities. And our celebration of Holy Communion also called the Lord's Supper, or Eucharist, from the Greek word for Thanksgiving, Eucharistia, is a ritualized meal that remembers, celebrates, and gives thanks for our family story. At the Lord's Supper, our family supper, the story we tell is that we were created by a loving God who has patience with us and who sends us prophets and teachers to guide us and who finally sends Jesus the Christ to show us how and to give us grace to live in justice and peace. The chapters leading up to today's scripture text have Moses and Aaron in Egypt going toe to -to toe with Pharaoh. Now, this is a fairly well-known part of the story that we didn't hear read this morning. Pharaoh, of course, is the ruler of the Egyptian empire and overseer of the Israeli slave economy. Moses and Aaron were sent by God to convince Pharaoh to set the captives free and to let them know of what would happen if that didn't happen. And the consequences, of course, for not setting the captives free were that there were going to be a series of devastating plagues. Frogs, gnats, flies, the sea turning to blood. There was a lot of really really crummy stuff that was coming if Pharaoh didn't release the captives. Pharaoh seems to care as little about his own people as the Israelites, since he refuses every time to let the people go, even after his counselors implore him to relent because of the toll that the plagues are taking on the Egyptians. Pharaoh is, to use common parlance, a nasty piece of work like the worst villain that you've ever read about, the worst slave master you've ever seen splashed across the silver screen. And the story plays out in a way that would be very satisfying if it weren't for that little detail in the story. Well, I'll get back to that. It would be very satisfying because think about it. you got Pharaoh who has all the power, all the wealth, all the armies, all of, all of it. And yet in this story, Pharaoh is no match for Moses and Aaron with a little help from Yahweh. But even still, this would be a satisfying scene. You can see it in the movies. Imagine how it would play out if the climactic event that finally causes Pharaoh to give in wasn't the, quote, death of every firstborn in the land of Egypt from human to animal. As is always the case, it is the innocents whose lives become the collateral damage in the midst of injustice and conflict. And then before we have time to even grapple with whether the death plague was caused by God or simply attributed to God after the fact, What had been a very gripping and exciting story is interrupted to bring us our text for today, a very important message from God, namely instructions concerning the celebration of the ancestral family supper, the Passover. Now, key pieces of God's message are that the month in which the Exodus takes place is to become the first month of the year, a new beginning. This will be a time of liberation and freedom, not a time of slavery. You're stepping into a new day, a new month. It's a family ceremony, but it has a social safety net, a provision for sharing with those without families or those who don't have enough resources to have an unblemished lamb for the the sacrifice. The blood of the sacrificial lamb will mark households as safe houses, and death will not touch them as God passes through. No ceremony was more important in ancient Israel or to the early Jews than Passover. And to participate in the ritual was to remember and to become part of the story that it celebrated. Namely, that their God had promised to set the slaves free, to set them free. And when they gathered after they had been liberated from slavery and ate the meal, they acknowledged and they celebrated both who they were and who God was in their lives. Our family story tells of Jesus, gathered with his closest friends in an upper room to celebrate Passover. Jesus knows, as a Jew, as the one who came from God and returned to God, Jesus knows that Yahweh brings liberation from anything that keeps people from living fully and freely. Jesus knows that Yahweh is more powerful than empires, Egyptian or Roman. Jesus knows that, that Yahweh is more powerful even than death. And so, trusting in God, Jesus takes his Jewish family story of liberation, one that carries with it tragic collateral damage in memory and turns it into a story not of killing someone else, not of slaughtering anything else, but rather a story of his own self-giving love, saying, this is my body and blood given for you. And even though the first disciples don't understand it right away, Even then, there was no longer a need to sacrifice a lamb in order to receive God's mercy or to sacrifice other human lives to gain freedom. Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who has mercy on us and sets us free. Today, in this service, We are hearing sung the beautiful prayers of the Mass. Robert Ray's Gospel Mass. These are the prayers of the families that are spoken at the Lord's Supper. These words repeat the story of God's life-giving, liberating spirit and Jesus' life of justice, peace and sacrificial love. And when we participate in that ritual, however often we may do it, it, our family supper we remember and we become part of the story that we celebrate. And our story celebrates that in Jesus Christ, all the ways that we mess up our lives, all the ways that we misinterpret God and Scripture, all the ways we exclude or harm others out of fear or hatred, all of those things no longer hold us captive, We are forgiven, we are set free to be holy and living sacrifices in union with Christ's offering for us. We are set free to go into the world and be for others, to give ourselves, our lives for others. We are free to love and to be loved. Thanks be to God.